Villas Grace Church. Building relationships that make followers of Jesus. Know, grow, go. To know Him, to grow in Him, to go with Him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful to be able to freely gather together. Let us not take this for granted, Lord, because we do not know our future. We definitely know what has happened to your disciples in the past, here in the present, and we can just rest assured knowing that some of the same persecution is coming. Lord, protect us, aid us in sharing the good news of Jesus with those who do not know him. We pray all of this in the name of Jesus himself. Amen. Have you guys ever wondered what causes a highway mirage? Surely you've been on the highway, you've looked ahead, and you've seen what looks to be water just, just up ahead, right? And then every time you get to where the water looked like it was, you get there and realize there is actually no water because simply it just disappears, doesn't it? Now, this is because of the physics of the Earth's atmosphere, and some of you would love for me to go into detail about this. But those of you that know me, that's probably not going to happen because if I start talking physics, it's already over my head. But I just want to give you some basics right here just so you can kind of understand what a highway mirage actually is and how it happens. The technical term for this is actually atmospheric retraction. See, it's already over my head. Atmospheric retraction. This is because the surface temperature of the road is much hotter than the air above the road. So it looks like there's water there. You're traveling on the highway. You look ahead. You get to where the water seemed like it was just to find out that it's no longer there. Brothers and sisters, let's face some facts. Things are not what they always seem to be. Just like a firefly is not an actual fly. I don't know if you knew this or not, but it's actually a beetle. Just like India ink isn't actually from India. There's a good chance it's either from China or from Egypt. Just like a prairie dog is not actually a dog at all. A prairie dog is actually considered to be a rodent. Like a lead pencil does not actually contain lead, it contains graphite or french fries for that matter. They're not really from France. French fries actually originated in Belgium. See, this is true too about some who actually claim to be Christians. Those who say they have faith in the person and work of Jesus are not always his, and I want to stress this word, real disciples. Brothers and sisters, today this is precisely what we're going to witness right here as we continue in John chapter 6, and we're looking at verses 16 through 24 in our title for our sermon called True Faith. True Faith. John chapter 6, 16 through 24. You'll notice the artwork for the sermon this morning is the exact same background as the artwork for the overarching 
artwork on the Gospel of John because we have gotten to the point in the text, probably one of the most famous miracles that Jesus performed. Not the most famous because all of them are equal, but one of the most well-known miracles being Jesus walking on the sea, or we actually say a lot of times, walking on water. Let's not forget, though, we did mention earlier that we're preaching this entire book in its context, so everything plays off of itself. So we need to remember that last week we recognized that Jesus couldn't be the momentary king of earth because he's the eternal king of the universe. See, after feeding thousands, the people wanted to crown him king. However, not king of the universe. No, that isn't what they wanted to do. They didn't want to crown him king for all of eternity. No, they wanted to crown him king for the moment. They wanted quick fixes for health, wealth, and a boost in their self-esteem. That was going on back when Jesus walked this earth, and that is going on today. People just want a quick fix. They like Jesus for the health, they like Jesus for the wealth, and they like Jesus for the boost in their own self-esteem. Today we're going to see an extension of these things as we witness Jesus expose the difference between those with true faith from those with false true faith. So let's go ahead and get into our text this morning. We're looking again at John chapter 6, verses 16 through 24. Now when evening came, his disciples went down to the sea. And after getting into a boat, they started to cross the sea to Capernaum. It had already become dark, and Jesus had not yet come to them. In addition, the sea began getting rough because a strong wind was blowing. Then when they had rowed about 25 or 30 stadia, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and coming near the boat, and they were frightened. But he said to them, It is I, do not be afraid. So they were willing to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat was at the land to which they were going. The next day the crowd that stood on the other side of the sea saw that there was no other small boat there except one, and that Jesus had not gotten into the boat with his disciples, but that his disciples had departed alone. Other small boats came from Tiberias near to the place where they ate the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the small boats and came to Capernaum looking for Jesus. Amen. We want to go ahead and put these verses into one sentence that will be our main idea that defines everything that we see in the text this morning. And mind you, if you just listened intently to what was just read from God's Word and then you hear this sentence, you might be thinking to yourself, how did we come to this conclusion? Well, that's what we're going to do the rest of this sermon. We're going to show you precisely how our main idea came to what it is. And that main idea states this. Not all disciples have true faith, but all who have true faith are disciples. Not all disciples have true faith, but all who have true faith are disciples. Now, before we get back into our text, we need to define what a disciple is because some of us are aware and some of us aren't, but very easily, very simply, this is how we're going to define a disciple. It is quite simply a follower of Christ. A disciple is a follower of 
Christ. And that's the reason why we're saying not all followers of Christ have true faith, but all who have true faith are followers of Christ. And really what we're going to see here in the text, it's either or. Either you follow Jesus for the right reasons, or you follow Jesus for the wrong reasons. Let's pick up right here in verses 16 through 18. But first, we need to remember the last week in verses 14 through 15, Jesus ended by dismissing the crowd. He dismissed the crowd, the same crowd that wanted to crown him king for the moment. The same crowd that saw him perform the miracle of turning five barley loaves and two small fish into enough food to feed upwards of 20,000 people This same crowd is the same crowd that he dismissed. And then he also dismissed his disciples as he sent them away, which is why right here in verse 16, it says, Now when evening came, his disciples went down to the sea. Now, Jesus had been teaching his disciples all along the way. And one of the main things up until this point that he was actually teaching his disciples was how to pray. But specifically, he was teaching them how to pray for God's kingdom to come. The time for Jesus' reign, however, had not yet come. It's coming, but it wasn't there then, and it's not quite here now, but we know that we're one second closer, tick, tick, until that time will come. Therefore, what happens? He didn't want his disciples, and this is the reason why he sent them away. He didn't want his disciples to get caught up into the hype that was surrounded by him turning those five barley loaves and two small fish into enough food to feed 20,000 people. He didn't want his disciples to be misled into thinking that his kingdom had already come. It had already arrived. See, now right here in verse 7, what does it say? And this is some of our evidence. Jesus had not yet come to them. See, they had decided to embark for Capernaum. As for the sea, as it says right here, as his disciples have embarked on their boat to Capernaum, as for the sea getting rough, this is nothing new on the Sea of Galilee. This isn't like a footnote that should, you know, alert us that this is like some new phenomenon that's actually happened here in the Sea of Galilee. See, the Sea of Galilee is 700 feet below sea level, and the surrounding hills around the Sea of Galilee are 2,000 feet above sea level. Therefore, this frequently caused strong winds to form. So the weather conditions wouldn't have been a huge alarm because after all, his disciples were fishermen. They were used to being on the Sea of Galilee. This storm should be taken seriously, and they did, but it wasn't cause for any major alarm. After all, we must always remember that we should be fishers of men just like Jesus told his disciples who were actually fishermen themselves. As we look at verse 19, though, this is where the true faith of the disciples is actually tested. This is where we see evidence of true faith. As his disciples, what does it say here, rode about 25 or 30 stadia. Now, For those of you that do not know what a stadia is, don't worry, you're in common company here because most of us do not know what a stadia is. It is actually the equivalency, not one stadia, but the 25 to 30 stadia is the equivalency of three to four miles. So they rode 
about three to four miles, and they continued to row, but they struggled to make headway because of this wind. But then, what does it say? They saw Jesus in the middle of all of this, this storm, walking on the sea and coming near the boat. So, you know, before we continue, we we need to ask this question. Where had Jesus been? He, He sent his disciples away. Now they're three to four miles out. But where had Jesus been this entire time? Let's go back to last week from John chapter 6, verse 15. So Jesus, aware that they intended to come and take him away by force to make him king, withdrew again to the mountain by himself alone. He was at the mountain, withdrawn by himself. Jesus, faithful and true to what he taught his disciples to do again, He had been teaching his disciples to pray. Specifically, pray for God's kingdom to come. He was praying, but he didn't want in that process of prayer to be a situation where he neglected his disciples because he didn't. In fact, wisdom, he had actually pre-planned to assist his disciples in the storm and he showed up according to his perfect timing. Jesus knew exactly when he was going to show up. He knew that he was going to show up exactly when that storm was brewing, when they were struggling to row, and he was going to walk on water in order to meet his disciples according to his perfect timing. So as we go back to verses 19 through 21, now as his disciples were not afraid of the storm, they weren't because they were frightened though, it says. But they were frightened at the sight of Jesus walking on the sea. Nowhere in this account does it tell us that his disciples were frightened by the storm. They were frightened because they saw Jesus walking on the sea. Again, they were three to four miles away from shore. Their true faith was being exposed. Now, let's just pause for one minute here because I think this is very important. So far in the entirety of the Gospel of John, we've dealt with Jesus performing miracles up until this point. So it's very important that we truly understand the true biblical definition of a miracle. Because I'm going to go out and say this today. I would argue, and I know this sounds rather aggressive, but I'm going to throw a 90% on this. 90% of most people define a miracle incorrectly. And when you define a miracle incorrectly, you cheapen and lessen the miracles that Jesus actually performed himself. See, there's a difference between the supernatural and a miracle. And that's really the biggest difference. See, the supernatural is when God works within the laws of science, the laws of science that we know, physics, gravity, quantum physics, all that stuff, that's when God can work within that realm in order to accomplish his task. So you could always go back and say, well, this happened, this happened, this happened, and we know these things happen according to science, so therefore, this is why it happened. But us believers could look at all of that and say, yeah, this happened, this happened according to science, but God is the one who controls everything, so he worked and intervened to make this happen. But that doesn't make that a miracle. See, a miracle is quite different because a miracle is something that cannot be explained by the laws of science. 
Jesus feeding 20,000 people with five barley loaves and two small fish, that's a miracle. Jesus walking on water, that's a miracle. Your UPS package showing up at just the right moment is not a miracle. And the problem is, when we say things like that are miracles, we cheapen and lessen an actual miracle. And we must remember, miracles always verify and authenticate the message. When Jesus performed a miracle, it was to authenticate the message that He is Messiah. He is the Son of God. Your UPS package and the driver and the UPS network that got that package to you does not authenticate the gospel. We need to be very careful. Anything that can be explained and defined by the laws of science is the supernatural. God can work within the supernatural. Anything outside the explanation of law and science is a miracle. And God can perform miracles too. Now, we understand that his disciples were frightened. They were frightened because they were witnessing another miracle. They had just come off one miracle to see another. They were frightened at the sight of Jesus' miracle that he was actually performing. Jesus walking on the Sea of Galilee clearly, clearly defied the laws of science. So this has to be a miracle. However, Jesus said to them, this is I, do not be afraid. Now, let's go outside of this account because the account of Jesus walking on water is a little more robust in a few of the other gospels. So let's look at Matthew 28 verses, or 14 verses 28 through 31 and we'll witness Peter's eagerness. Because what does it say? Matthew 14, starting in verse 28. Peter responded and said to him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you in on the water. And he said, come. And Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came toward Jesus. But seeing the wind, he became frightened. And when he began to sink, he cried out saying, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out with his hand and took hold of him and said to him, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Now, technically, in this whole entire account, not what we're seeing here in John, this is the second of four miracles actually being performed because it is a miracle that Peter walked on water. Now, he didn't sustain his ability to walk on water because it wasn't up to him. And when it became up to him, he doubted and he sank. But when he was walking in faith, he actually for just a moment, maybe a second, if that, maybe two, I don't even know, but he did walk on water. And then the third of the four miracles that we see that's right here in this text is found in verse 32 when it says, when they got into the boat, the wind stopped. That's a miracle. Again, Jesus defies the laws of science. There's no natural explanation for the wind to have stopped at that exact moment. Just like at the exact moment Jesus walked on water to meet his disciples while they were three to four miles out on their journey. And for what happens next, we look to Matthew chapter 14, verse 33, because this is really important. 
Extremely important. What does it say? And those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, you are truly God's son. Brothers and sisters, there is only one appropriate response to Jesus. Just one. One response and one response only. And that response is worship. We are called to worship our Lord and Savior. And when we worship Him, we are being obedient to what God has commanded us to do. And again, a little reminder from last week, the definition of worship. It is an appropriate response to God. Worship is an appropriate response to who God has revealed himself as being, and he has given us his entire revelation according to the gospel as it pertains to salvation. So our worship is an appropriate response to what we see right here in God's word. And Jesus, right here in our text, from last week to this week, all the way back at the beginning from John 1, Jesus is revealing himself to be God. We started off in John 1.1 knowing that Jesus is God. The Bible is just that clear. Therefore, he is worthy of our worship. And those with true faith, those with true faith will always respond accordingly. So the question, bread and fish, This is the same crowd that had already witnessed him performing a miracle. This is the same crowd that actually wanted to crown Jesus king for the moment. The same crowd that he sent his disciples away from so they wouldn't be misled. Yeah, the true followers of Christ. Jesus said, why don't you just go ahead? And his motivation was because he didn't want all the hype from that other crowd who wanted to crown him king for the moment to mislead them in the wrong direction. And this is actually completely evident as we look at verse 23 where it says, Other small boats came from Tiberias near to the place where they ate the bread after the Lord had given thanks. Yeah, that crowd. That same crowd. Go back to our main idea. Not everybody who follows Jesus has true faith, but all who have true faith are followers of Jesus, or we have the word disciple, which is interchangeable. That crowd is pursuing Jesus because they saw Him perform this miracle. But then they got selfish. Their motivations were greedy. They only wanted to follow Him for the health, wealth, and boost in self-esteem. See, This crowd kind of reminds me of a mirage on the highway. Once you come up on it, it just simply disappears. They are what appears to be water on the road ahead, but as you show up and realize that it's nothing more than just a mirage, they had faith all right. Faith for the moment. Faith in a quick fix. Faith in a boost in their self-esteem. See, that crowd had already witnessed one miracle. They got to witness a miracle. Yet, they still wanted a king for the moment. See, we know that Jesus 
didn't witness to them like he did to his disciples. See, they got one miracle. They didn't witness Jesus walking on water. We know they didn't witness Peter walk on water. We know they didn't witness Jesus stop the wind. And yet, most importantly, we know they didn't worship Jesus. That's the opposite of the true followers of Christ, those with true faith. See, because what should have happened when Jesus took those five barley loaves and two small fish, they should have worshipped Him. But instead, what did they do? They wanted to crown Him King. That's the reason why Jesus went to the mountain. But what did we see His disciples do? The minute Jesus stopped that wind and had performed three miracles in a row to His disciples, they began to worship Jesus. And it wasn't because they were afraid of some storm on the Sea of Galilee. Ask any charter captain right here in southwest Florida if they get scared from a little storm when they take people out. They don't. They do it every single day. They worship Jesus because He is God. Only those with true faith would respond appropriately to Jesus' revelation of that truth. The revelation that authenticated the message. Again, miracles performed to authenticate His message. The revelation in the form of a miracle. So as Miss Hallie comes up and joins me, we need to understand something about true faith. Those with true faith do not seek Jesus with wrong motives. The crowd only sought Jesus for what they could receive. Those with true faith seek Jesus in worship. Those with true faith seek Jesus in obedience. Those with true faith are the opposite of a mirage on the highway. They are what you see from a distance as much as what you see up close. And this is the reason why our main idea stated this this morning. Not all disciples have true faith, but all who have true faith are disciples. We can either follow Jesus with pure or impure motives, but it's all about who we worship. Do you worship the king of the moment in quick fixes? Or do you worship our king of salvation who is king for all of eternity. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, again, we continually pray and asking you to use us to share our faith so we can be disciples who make disciples. Use us, Lord, to share your truth for your kingdom. We pray for your kingdom to come. And we pray all of this because Jesus has made it possible. It is in his name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, look us up on our website, www.villasgrace.com or drop us a line via email, connect at villasgrace.com.